Keep looking up. Amen? Keep looking up. Well, last week we looked at things to come, saw that Jesus gives cautions and comforts, uh, looked at where he talked about two different events at the same time, a near event that pointed to a far event. And this, this, the last week of Jesus' life on earth, as we come to the rest of chapter 13, we see that Jesus uses the opportunity to teach his, his coming again. When he comes again, what we'll find out today is when Jesus comes again, friends, it will be different, it will be certain, and it will be quick. Uh, we need to be prepared. We'll look at that today as well. We need to be prepared. So for Christians, really, this is what we are waiting for. Amen. We are looking for Jesus to come again. We're looking for his return. So how then do we wait for him to come? What do we do? Well, we keep looking up. So in honor and reverence to the word of God, if you would please turn to um, Mark 13, 24 through 37, and in honor and reverence, if you'd stand as I read that for you uh, this morning, that would be great. And the Bible reads, Mark 13, verse 24, and in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken Then they will see the Son of Man coming and the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house, gave authority to his servants and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word of God this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the, the truth of the promise that you are coming. Lord, we thank you for the hope that that brings to us as believers. But also, Father, may it also bring about in us a challenge to love you more, to live for you the way you want us to. And so, Lord, may you use our time this morning to, to draw us to the place where we need to be in our walk with you, having an honest assessment of our own lives. And, Lord, that we'd walk away from here challenged to be the people of God you desire for us to be. So, Lord, I pray that if there are those who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, this would be the hour of salvation, that you'd be moving and hearts and lives for those for salvation, but also for those of us who are your believers for a recommitment of our hearts and lives to be what you want us to be. And so, Lord, now we pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, you see the outline for today's bulletin, uh, for today's message in the bulletin, and we're looking at keep looking up. And the first thing that we're seeing here is keep looking up with expectancy because of certainty. 
with expectancy because of certainty. There is a sense of expectancy in the believer because it is certain that Jesus is coming again. We know that it is going to happen because Jesus keeps his promise. Now, as we saw last week, there will be signs that will point in that direction. And we are certain of certain things even today that we are expecting things to happen. At this time of the year, we begin to see some things happening. So we know that there is an expectancy of what is about to happen in our world as we think about the seasons even now. Maybe you can... Understand this with me as we as we go out in the mornings and it seems to be darker now uh, as we get up the days are shorter Uh, as uh, we may see our wife or our moms go up in the attic and begin to bring down long sleeves and sweaters as we turn on the TV and we find out that college football has begun or we hear that Starbucks is now serving pumpkin spice lattes We know that there's a change that is taking place, amen? And it's a new season, and that season is what? Fall or autumn, that's right. So we see all this, and so there's a certain expectancy because we're watching the signs that are taking place, and we're certain that fall is coming. And so what Jesus is saying here is that there are signs for his coming. Now, last week, we looked at that there were signs like wars and earthquakes and famines, and that they would increase with intensity. We also saw that there'd be persecution and how that would also increase as the time gets nearer. And then we see here today also in verses 24 and 25, Jesus gives us some more signs of of that end time. Verse 24, 25, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened. Remember, he talked about the tribulation last week. After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Skip down to verse 28. Now, learn this parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves that you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. So here the emphasis of what Jesus is telling the disciples again is that he is coming and that there will be signs. Now, at this point, he has not given a full revelation to the, of the things that are to come. John has not yet written the book of Revelation. So there's not that unfolding, unveiling yet of everything that's taken place. And so as Jesus is speaking here to Peter and to James and to John and to Andrew, as those guys are sitting there on the hillside looking back across the temple, they are not thinking, okay, well, I need to be pre-tribulational, uh, pre-millennial. They're not thinking all that. They're not thinking about the rapture or tribulation or second coming or millennial reign. No, what they're thinking is what Jesus is telling them is that he is coming and that there will be signs. And so that's what they needed to hear. That's what we need to hear. And that is that we need to keep looking up, friends, with an expectancy because of the certainty. Now, today, some people believe that we're moving towards some type of humanly engineered utopia of world peace. But the reality is that there will... Now, this is going to shock you, okay? But hang on. The reality is that there will not be world peace until Jesus comes. 
That's not going to happen until Jesus comes. When he comes to rule and reign for a thousand years, and then he will create a new heaven and a new earth. Now look, now while we may be making advances, yes, in medicine and in technology and in science, we're going in the exact opposite direction morally, socially, and spiritually. We're not making advances in those directions, friends. We are not getting better. We are getting worse morally, socially, and spiritually. You see, friends, this old world will not last. But God, Jesus tells us here that his words will last. Heaven and earth will pass away, verse 31, but my words will by no means pass away. And what he said is this in verse 26 again, that they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Friends, it is a promise that he is coming in power and in glory. He made a promise, he keeps a promise. Now, I don't know about your mamas, but my mama, typically, when she made a promise, she kept her promise. I remember sitting in church as a kid, and we had uh, the cathedral ceilings, you know, in the uh, New Prospect Baptist Church in Hurt, Virginia. And as a kid, I would be sitting next to her, or I would think I was sitting next to her when I'd be squirming and moving and whispering and talking and getting the hymn book out. And she would turn to me and she would say, when you get home, you're going to get it. And friends, she was not talking about getting ice cream and cookies. I knew what she meant. And at that moment, friends, I became the most spiritual prayer warrior of any child ever as I began to pray that, that my mother would not keep her promise. But every time we would get home, I got exactly what I was asking for. And she kept her promise. Amen. Y'all been there. You act like you know what I'm talking about. Mom made a promise. She kept it. Friends, let me tell you something. God has made a promise and he will keep it as well. Amen. Judgment will come, but rejoicing will come for those who are believers. Now, understand this too. As he tells us here in verse 26 in Mark here, that it tells us that he will, we will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Right after that, in the same passage in Luke 21, verse 28, we read this, that it says, Now when these things begin to happen, Jesus says, Look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Look up. And lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Completion is coming. Oh, but friend, listen. When Jesus comes this next time, it will be different than the first time. You see, it tells us here that he will come with great power and glory. You see, Jesus, when he came, he came as the Prince of Peace, but he will come in power and glory. He came as the babe in Bethlehem, but he will come with boldness. He came in meekness, friends, but let me tell you, he will come with might. He came as a suffering servant, but let me tell you, he will come as the strong Savior and Lord. He came in humility, but he will come high and lifted up. He came as the second Adam, but he comes, friends, as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He came lowly and riding on a donkey, but he will come as the longed-for leader riding on a white horse. He came in a feeding trough for a bed, but friends, he will come as one who sits on the throne. And friends, I'm here to tell you that he came as the lamb, but he will come as the lion of Judah. Amen? 
It will be a different way in which he will come. And what an encouragement that is as he says these things, that he will come with great power and glory to the disciples as they are not knowing exactly what all is going to take place. What an encouragement that is for them to know that he will come again in power and glory. And friends, what an encouragement that is for us today as believers to know that Jesus will come in power and glory. As we see this world falling apart, as we see morals becoming more corrupt, as we see the foundations begin to crumble and our philosophies beginning to change and culture caving in, friends, there is hope because we can keep looking up with expectancy that it is certain that it is going to happen that the king is coming. Amen? Keep looking up. Keep looking up not only with expectancy, but keep looking up with a readiness because of suddenness. With readiness because of suddenness. Look at verse 28. Jesus says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. Now, he's pointing them to this analogy about the fig tree. The fig tree clearly indicates that there's going to be a seasonal change. Most trees in that day in Israel were evergreens, and the fig tree was not so much. But it was one of the latest to leaf out in the spring. And so when they would see the fig tree coming to to leaf, they know that summer is near. And so what we find here is that he is telling them that they need to be ready as just as we know when we look at the fig tree that something's about to happen, look at the signs and be ready that things are about to happen. So with this expectancy, knowing that it's certain it's going to happen, there's also this readiness that needs to happen in our lives as well because of the suddenness. Look at verse 29. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the door. It's near at the door. There should be a readiness because it's near and at the door. Friends, if someone tells you that they're coming to your house to pick you up at a certain time, and they come and they're at the door ringing the doorbell, are you going to be standing there waiting for them, or are you going to be sitting back uh, eating popcorn watching TV? Well, hopefully you're going to be ready because you knew that they said they'd be there at a certain time. Friends, this is the same thing. Jesus says the time is coming. It's going to happen quickly. You can watch the signs, but you be ready. Be ready when that time comes. Friends, verse 30, it tells us, Assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And so he's talking about this end time generation. What's he talking about there? This generation will by no means pass away. Well, we are that generation. We're in the last days from the early church to Jesus' coming. That is the generation he's talking about. Friends, we're in it, and we need to be ready. Amen? Be ready because it's going to happen suddenly. Verse 32 through 36, he goes further. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house, gave authority to his servants and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. So over and over here in this passage, and this is just few, four verses or so here, we see Jesus saying, take heed, watch and pray, watch Watch, he says. Be alert. Only God knows the day and the time. Only God knows the hour. We don't know when he's coming, friends, but we know that he is coming. 
And so we are to be vigilant. We are to be on the lookout. We are to be alert and we are to be ready. So what does that look like? What does that look like to be ready, to be on the alert? It means that first off, we're to live the life of faithfulness and holiness. In Luke 21, verse 34, it tells us this. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. So as we're waiting, friends, we are to be ready for his return as we are living a life of holiness and faithfulness because we want our witness to be able to be pointing people to Jesus Christ in our actions and how we live our lives. So we're to live the life of faithfulness as we're being ready for his return. But not only it looks like not only living that life of faithfulness and holiness, but our life should also be watching and praying. We're to watch and pray. As Jesus tells him to pray, I was wondering, why is is Jesus wanting us to pray? Well, friends, listen, we're to pray looking for his coming. We're to pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly, amen? But even in our praying, as we watch and as we pray, listen, as we pray, praying will keep us humble at the feet of Jesus. Praying will keep us dependent upon him every day for direction. Praying will help us to cry out for the lost. Praying we'll find ourselves yielding to him in every area of our lives. So we are to watch and pray. Living a life of faithfulness and holiness as we're being ready for his return. But also the third little thing here is what this looks like of being ready is we have our eyes wide open. Have our eyes wide open. In verse 36 he says, less coming suddenly he find you sleeping. In other words, don't be asleep. Now, but what if he comes at three o'clock in the morning? Am I supposed to, that's not what he's talking about here. Let's look at verse, uh, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verses one through six. I love this. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica. He says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when, we say, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, watch this, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober." Be sober there means being very aware. It means having a clarity of mind, having eyes wide open, being alert to what the Lord is doing. Keep looking up, being ready. Friends, we're to keep looking up with expectancy because of certainty. Keep looking up with a readiness because it's going to happen suddenly and that it could happen at any moment. We need to be ready. Amen? Keep looking up. Keep looking up thirdly with perspiration because of his declaration. I'm working a little bit of that up right now. Keep looking up with perspiration because of his declaration. Look at verses 33 and 34 again. Jesus says, it's like a man going to a far country who left his house, gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, is what he says there. Look, Jesus gives this analogy. This man is going away, but he is coming back. 
And it tells us here that as he went, he gave authority to his servants and to each his work. What does that mean? It means that he put the servants in charge of their work. It tells us here that there is work that they were supposed to be doing until that man came back. And guess what, friends? Jesus has also given us some work to do. There is work that we are charged with doing as believers in Jesus Christ that we are to be doing until Jesus comes. Well, pastor, what is that work? What is that work that we're supposed to be doing until Jesus comes? Well, I'm glad you want to know because I want to tell you, and I bet you'll guess, but it's meeting people where they are and pointing to Jesus. That's what it is. That's the work that we're supposed to be doing, making disciples, being fishers of men, growing the kingdom, and being a living testimony of his grace. We're to be about that work, friends. That's the work. He has given us the commission to be about his business of making disciples and pointing people to Jesus until he comes. And he's not here yet, friends, so we still have work to do. Amen? We still have work to do. We're not to be sitting back doing nothing, but rather we're to be waiting and working. Waiting and working in the world around us. Waiting and working in the church to be a part of the church that God's called us to be, to serve him. And I say to you, I people to Jesus even here as well. We are not to be found sleeping, he tells us. Verse 36, verse 37. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And he says, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. We're not to be asleep. We're not to be found sleeping. Does that mean that I can't catch a snooze on Sunday morning while you're preaching? Hey, if, it's, if it so feels good to you, you go for it, all right? That's not what he's talking about here. No, he's talking about this, our life is to not be sleeping. It's not to be sluggish. We're to watch. We're to stay awake. We're to be vigilant. We're to be busy about his work. You know, I have to, have to tell you, though, sometimes I wonder about the church in general. The church of Jesus Christ today. Have we gone to sleep? Church, I have to ask the question to to us as people of God, but also I'd love to the whole church answer the question, do we need to wake up? Because he said he is coming and we're not to be found sleeping. You see, friends, there is to be a perspiration. There's to be work because of his declaration. He's given us something that we're supposed to be doing. He's told us that he is coming and we're to be busy doing that thing. That's to be our purpose, our plan, our our priority of loving Jesus and living for Jesus and giving him the glory in all things. But I wonder sometimes, do we have a case of spiritual sluggishness? I wonder if the church today could be diagnosed with spiritual sluggishness. Well, well, what is that? What are the symptoms of spiritual sluggishness? Well, let me help you with that. Spiritual sluggishness is when it's no longer a priority to pray. When there's no regular time for reading the word. And when our worship is just whatever. Friends, that is a, those are symptoms of spiritual sluggishness. Do we have it, I wonder? But also spiritual sluggishness is when there is a shortage in sharing our faith. When our excitement of Jesus has been exchanged for excitement of the world. When our stewardship is skimpy, that's spiritual sluggishness. So I wonder if we could be diagnosed with that disease. 
Spiritual sluggishness is when our serving is selfish, when our obedience is occasional, and our passion for the things of God are paltry. That is spiritual sluggishness. Spiritual sluggishness is when we have apathy about our advancement in our walk, when we're indifferent about the idols of the world, and we're neutral in knowing him better. That's spiritual sluggishness. I wonder if we could be diagnosed with it. Spiritual sluggishness is when we become supportive of sin, when our testimony is tarnished, and when love is lacking. Spiritual sluggishness is when our actions are awful as believers, our reactions are rude, and our language is lewd. Friends, that is somebody, somebody who has spiritual sluggishness. And I wonder, is that our diagnosis today as the church? If so, friends, we need to hear what God's word says to us in Romans 13, verse 11 through 14. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. And let us walk properly as in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness. Not in lewdness and lust. Not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Friends, I believe the church needs to hear what God's word says. It is high time that we wake up out of our sleep, our spiritual sluggishness. Amen? We need to keep looking up, friends, because he is coming. We keep looking up with expectancy because of certainty. We need to keep keep looking up with readiness because of the suddenness, but keep looking up with perspiration because of his declaration. We need to be busy and get busy and work Till Jesus comes. Amen? Work till Jesus comes. Well, what about that story when Mary and Martha, and, and Martha's busy about, and Mary's sitting down, and, and she wants, Martha gets upset, and, and Jesus is asked the question, well, by Martha, can't you make Mary do some work too? And Jesus said, she has chosen the good thing. Friends, there is a time for worship. And there's a time for work. Amen? And even I believe that our work can become part of worship. As we do it for the glory of God. Is a balance. We need to be prepared. And keep looking up. I heard a story this week. About a guy who was in college. I don't know what year he was in college. But uh, maybe his freshman or sophomore year in college and he was going through that first semester and the exam was right before Christmas and he thought he was doing okay and he said you know what I think I'll do fine on this exam and he didn't study and as he didn't study he went to class didn't prepare he went to class and he thought I'll just wing it when the professor gives me the exam so he sat down at the desk the professor gave out all the exams and as he took looked at the exam he realized oh no I don't know a single answer to any of the questions on this test, this exam. And so as he's sitting there pouring over and just thinking about it, finally after about five minutes he decided, okay, I'll just try to be humorous and maybe that'll help me a little bit. So he wrote his name on the top of the exam paper and he wrote these words. He said, only God knows these answers. Merry Christmas. And he turned it in. Well, he went on, went on home for Christmas break, and as he got home, was there for about a week or so, 
he got his exam in the mail from the professor. And he was sort of curious as to what was going to happen when he opened up that paper. But he opened up the envelope and pulled out the exam, and the professor had written, had written this right under where he had said, only God knows these answers. Merry Christmas. The professor had written, God gets a hundred, you get a zero. Happy New Year. <laughs> he was not prepared for the exam. Friends, we know that it's coming, amen? And we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for his return by being busy. Now, let's look at these three real quick things here at the bottom of your outline there. Be prepared. Be prepared by first being saved. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, friends, you are not prepared for his return. You need to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. He came upon this earth, died on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life to be reconciled you to the Father. We acknowledge that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We turn from our sin. We turn to Jesus Christ, which is repentance. We embrace, we believe with all of our heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave, that He is who He says He is, and we profess that He is the Lord and Savior of our lives. It's a step of faith that we take to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. If you've never taken that step of faith, trusting Jesus to save you from your sin, friends, today's the day of salvation. He's given you breath in your body yet one more day for you to make this call as he is calling you to yourself, to himself for salvation. So to be prepared for his coming, be saved. Secondly, if you're already a Christian, you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, how can you be prepared? You pray by being a servant. We're to be a servant. We read in the scriptures in Mark already how Jesus was a servant who came to serve and how he did that by going to the cross for us. But also he given us, has given us the model of being a servant. There's no one here who's better than somebody else. Amen. We are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only person who is here who is better than anybody else is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who's worthy to be served. The rest of us are to be the servants. Amen? And so as Christians, we are to be prepared by being a servant and work until Jesus comes or until he calls us home. Be a servant. And thirdly, prepare by being saved, being a servant, by being sold out to Jesus without spiritual sluggishness. Amen? Now, how does that happen? That comes by having a passion for Jesus Christ. Being sold out to him comes as we love him more and love him with all of our heart, mind, and soul. That's being sold out to Jesus. Well, how how do I get that? How do I get that, Pastor? Friends, you you get being sold out to Jesus by spending time with him. Amen? The more you spend time with him, talking to him, reading his word, hearing his word speak to your heart, worshiping together with fellow believers, coming together, hearing what God's got to say to us, spending that time with him, friends, is what causes us to fall more in love with him, and we're sold out to him. Amen? That's how we are to be prepared. When Jesus comes, and he could come in the next hundred years, in the next hundred days, in the next hundred minutes, in the next hundred seconds. Amen? When he comes, 
I want to be ready. Amen? I want to be ready. How about you? Because the king is coming. Let me close with this verse, these two verses. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, let's keep looking up. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives this day. Lord, that we'll walk away from here today looking up, watching and waiting for you to return in all of your power and glory. But Father, as we wait for that day to happen, that we'll not be sitting back on our laurels, but rather we'll be working until you come, being that servant seeking to grow closer to you and to love you more, spending time with you so that we'll be sold out to you and we will not be diagnosed with being spiritually sluggish. Oh God, may you renew our heart's fire. May you speak to us and let us be the people of God you've called us and set us apart to be. That we will be different from the rest of the world, but that we will be the church that you've called us to be to be light to those who are in darkness, to point people to the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, may we be completely surrendered to you in every area of our lives for your glory, that you might be lifted up, that you might be blessed, that you might be praised, that you might be honored. And so, Lord, I pray that you be with us now as we come to our invitation, as we seek to surrender our all to you. Lord, we're gonna keep looking up with hope because we know it's going to happen, but also with a burning in our hearts, Lord, to serve you and to love you and to follow you all of our days for your glory. So Lord, be with us as we come to this invitation. Those that need to make decisions to come and pray silently here or to pray with Pastor Andy or myself or making decisions, Lord, of commitment, of baptism or transferring letters. Oh, Lord, whatever it is that you're doing in people's hearts in obedience to you, Lord, just let us give this time to you in complete surrender. And so, Lord, we honor and praise you. And we say, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. I surrender all. You come. As God has dealt with your heart, you come. And let us pray with you. I pray silently. You come.